Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 22nd through the 28th of the Come Follow Me program associated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is 2024, which means we're studying the Book of Mormon. And for this week, any Come Follow Me, we are still in First Nephi. Now, as I was studying this week, one of the things that I was thinking about is when I was younger, I remember being troubled by some of the judgment and justice that Heavenly Father dealt out to those who were choosing to do what was wrong. I was troubled because in my young mind, I saw some of the people in my life who were making wrong decisions. And I was just thinking, like, heaven can't be heaven without them, right? And it didn't make sense to me that Heavenly Father could love us so much but then want to be separated from us. And so I often found myself a little bit troubled about this judgment and justice of being separated from some of His children. Now, as I got older and I observed more of the world, I understood it a little bit better. I know that I can't pronounce any final judgments on anybody And I very much know that I don't know the full circumstances of everybody. Wholeheartedly know that. But I also have seen enough of the world to understand that people are going to choose their outcomes. It may not be the outcomes that they want, but as they're making their choices, they're choosing their outcomes. Despite all efforts that might be made (laughs) to help them choose something worthwhile for their lives. Now, a couple of summers ago, I was out with my husband and and some of our friends, and one of my friends started expressing some of these sentiments that I had as I was growing up. She has two kids. She has a boy and a girl. And she talks about, she said something along the lines of, I don't understand how you can believe in a God who would send, who's apparently so loving but would send some of his children to a place like hell. I don't understand how you could believe in a God like that. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. I can't imagine sending one of my kids to hell (laughs) because they were imperfect because I'm imperfect. Now, I had this entire response that I was ready to give her. But luckily, the Spirit got my attention before I gave her that response. And instead, I asked this question. I asked her, I said, if your son assaulted your daughter and it didn't change and continued to belittle her and ask her why she felt so crappy, even though he only did it once, you know, just like continued to make her life miserable. I asked her if she would force her daughter to be around her son for eternity. Because how would would that be heaven for her, right? (laughs) How would that be heaven for her? And she was taken back back a little bit and didn't have much of a response because the Spirit will do that to you. In fact, the Spirit did that to me in that exact moment (laughs) because I had never thought about it in such real terms. My kids are still young, And a lot of my siblings are 
healthy, well-adjusted adults. All of my siblings are healthy, well-adjusted adults. Mm -hmm. And so I've never been forced to think about what decisions I would make if some of my children or just one of my children was making decisions that harmed my other children. If I got to a point in my life where we were trying to be happy as a family, but one of those children continued to harm their siblings over and over again in very destructive ways, I've never had to question how I would respond in that situation. And as I thought about that, I came to understand my Heavenly Father a lot more. I came to understand how much it would ache to send them away because of how you love them. But because of how you love your other children too, you can't sacrifice their happiness because someone else, one of your other children who you still love, is choosing to harm their siblings. And if that one child that was choosing wrong, if they changed and repented and came back, I would welcome them home and I would rejoice. I would be so grateful that they were back. So that's all I wanted. So I wanted them to be part of our family. But if they continued to hurt my other children and if they refused to change and if they didn't care that they were hurting my other children... I would probably have to force them to leave home for the sake of my other children. Now, it is a simple fact of life that there are people who will continue to harm others no matter how hard we try to bring them back onto a path that will lead to happiness for everybody's sake, right? There are people who will continue to choose that. Now, I don't know where Layman and Lemuel ended up. I don't know if they finally figured it out. <laughs> However, we still see in some of their decisions, the decisions that we have access to, we, we see in some of their decisions that they continued to choose to harm others. So, for example, they were given every single advantage to learn the gospel and to know how to experience happiness, but they did not want it. And their father and their brother taught them very clearly about how to speak to the Lord and how to receive information from him. Like, this is how you do it. We're teaching you exactly how to do it. You, you want an answer? This is exactly how you get the answer. But they would not inquire of the Lord. They saw an angel who came and stopped them from beating Nephi, but they continued to hurt Nephi afterwards multiple times. And it got to the point where they were ready to kill him more than once, right? Salvation was handed to them. Happiness was handed to them on a silver platter, and they didn't want it. They didn't choose it. I don't know why some people choose to continue to harm others despite all of the evidence pointing in the opposite direction, but they do. And the Lord taught Nephi about this. So this is First Nephi chapter 15, and it's verses 33 through 35. It says, Wherefore, if they should die in their wickedness, they must be cast off also, as to the things which are spiritual, which are pertaining to righteousness. Wherefore, they must be brought to stand before God, 
to be judged of their works. And if their works have been filthiness, they must needs be filthy. And if they be filthy, it must needs be that they cannot dwell in the kingdom of God. If so, the kingdom of God must be filthy also. So like we we're saying, if your son assaulted your daughter, would you make her live with him forever? Because that's not heaven. Heaven, the kingdom of God becomes filthy if you're letting people in who will make it filthy. But behold, I say unto you, the kingdom of God is not filthy, and there cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God. Wherefore, there must needs be a place of filthiness prepared for that which is filthy. And there is a place prepared, yea, even that awful hell of which I have spoken. And the devil is the preparator of it. Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God or to be cast out because of that justice of which I have spoken. There is a place prepared for those who would harm their siblings, who would rob their siblings of the heaven that their perfect father wants for them. And a lot of people, when they think about this idea of hell, they see a very, very scary place, <laughs> which is not completely an inaccurate way to view it. But we also have a little bit more understanding of this. We have received a modern-day prophet and more explanation to the three kingdoms that are described in, in the book of Peter. We have learned about the concept of hell. And there, when it comes to our theology, hell can mean a few different things, but I'm only going to talk about it in the context that we're talking about it. Namely, the, the first, I guess, interpretation of hell for us is outer darkness, which I'm not going to dwell on outer darkness too much because it's not super applicable to us. Outer darkness is reserved for those who perfectly know the Savior, who the Savior is like revealed to them and they're like, I don't want that. <laughs> That's where they go is outer darkness. But most of us can't even qualify for there because we don't have that perfect knowledge of the Savior so that we could even reject him to that extent. Now, there is another, I guess, expansion of this idea of hell. We believe that there are three kingdoms of glory that you can be assigned to. The celestial kingdom, where you get to live with Heavenly Father, and the other two kingdoms for people who didn't try to live super valiantly. And then the last kingdom is for people who would rob others and hurt others and violence and lots of things. Now, this idea of hell can expand to this idea of anywhere where you're not living with God, where you are separated from your Heavenly Father, which interprets is interpreted to the lower two kingdoms, right? Because you can only dwell with God in the celestial kingdom. Hell is like a fire, a lake of fire and brimstone. It's like it. It is not a literal lake of fire and brimstone. The pain of separation that you experience from your Heavenly Father when you remember Him and you know that you're going to be separated from Him, that pain is fire. It is brimstone. It is hell. That is what hell is. Interestingly enough, the definition of salvation, which can kind of be the opposite of hell, this definition of salvation can also be expanded to this idea of all three kingdoms, right? Because to an extent, 
even the lesser two kingdoms are give us a taste of salvation. So we have been taught that the lesser two kingdoms, even though you're not living with God, these two places that have been prepared by the Lord are more glorious and more beautiful than the earth that we live on right now. And despite everything, earth is pretty nice. (laughs) We know that the lower two kingdoms are more glorious than the earth. We also know that the spirits who are assigned there will receive a resurrected body. So in those kinds of terms, they are experiencing salvation to an extent, right? They are living in a better place and they have resurrected bodies. So when you look at it in that context, these lower two kingdoms can kind of be also heaven and hell at the same time, right? And this actually lines up completely with my understanding of who my heavenly father is. Now, as an imperfect parent, if I had to kick my child out of the house because he or she was harming their other siblings, I would still love them. That love would not cease because they're my children. But I would still want them somewhere comfortable. And if it was within my power, I would still, if it was for eternity, I would want them to have somewhere absolutely wonderful to live. And so I would prepare that place for them. And to that extent, they would experience salvation and a happy place. On the flip side, the choices that they were making would cause them to live in hell at the same time. And there's nothing really that I can do about that, except for maybe robbing them of their free will, their choice, and forcing them to do what's right. But even if I were to do that, even if Heavenly Father were to do that, they still would not be experiencing heaven to the fullest extent, because you can't experience heaven to the fullest extent if you're being forced to be righteous. They would still be unhappy, right? Which not what salvation is supposed to bring. And so I would leave them in this wonderful place to experience hell to the extent that they were choosing to do so. They would be separated from me, or I mean, if we're talking in real terms, separated from a heavenly parent, from their heavenly father. They would be separated from their siblings, and they would be surrounded by other people that were like them. And so I would grieve knowing that I had children who were still hurting each other in some other place, but I would find peace in the fact that I did everything that I could possibly do for them, that everything that could be done for them to be happy and to be saved, it had been done for them. I love the plan of salvation. (laughs) Even the concepts of this idea of heaven and hell and these three kingdoms. It makes so much sense to me. None of the parts are arbitrary. I can't imagine that looking at all of the people in the world, that there's only two places, there's only two groups that you can be divided into, heaven or hell. If I had never heard of a heavenly father who loved me, and then someone came and taught me the plan of salvation and didn't say, heavenly father loves you, if they just taught me the plan of salvation— I would be able to see his love without being told. I would be able to see it in all of the decisions that he made 
in planning this plan of salvation, right? You can see his love in every one of the decisions that he makes in regards to his children. I testify of the Heavenly Father who loves us, who wants all of us to experience heaven to the extent that we're willing to. I testify of a Heavenly Father who loves his children <laughs> to the extent that he would not throw them into a lake of fire and brimstone. I testify of a Heavenly Father who is wise enough to not sacrifice the happiness of his other children if there's one who's choosing to destroy it. I testify of a Savior who paid for the sins of those who want to be in the celestial kingdom, who want to be with their Heavenly Father, who want that feeling of salvation and that feeling of being surrounded by other people who want to do what's right and want to do what's good and to take care of each other. I am grateful that my Savior paid the price for that, that everything has been done that could possibly be done to bring us all home and give us a chance to choose salvation. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.